0: This is Politicking with Curtis Schoon with special guest Jason Whitlock. Good morning, Jason Whitlock. How are you today, brother? Awesome.
1: Awesome. It's an awesome Tuesday here in Nashville. And there's probably, and we'll see if we deliver, but this is the Politicking I've looked forward to the most. I've got the most enthusiasm uh, about this one today.
0: Talk about putting the pressure on, brother. You know, I, look every every week I watch the comments, right? And I say, damn, we're going to have to bring it again next week. And I'm saying, how long can we keep this going? Because, man, oh, man, every week it just keeps getting better and better. They're giving us great material. Yeah, man, they are, they are, they are. But speaking of great material, what do you think about this Kwame Brown situation, man?
1: look and this is why i'm excited this topic is enormous and so i I just i want to unpack it just a little bit for so just somebody that may have missed it but kwame brown uh was the number one pick i believe in the 2001 nba draft he's the first high school player to be selected number one overall coming straight out of high school this was even before lebron james and Uh, He got drafted by the Washington Wizards and Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan's Washington Wizards. And remember, Jordan spent his last two years uh, in Washington and he had a lot of influence. He was the general manager. Then he became but he played two years and and Kwame has been considered a bust. In NBA, and he's been a laughing stock for twenty, close to twenty years or so. That he didn't live up to the hype. Now he played twelve years in the NBA, made sixty-five million bucks, uh, mm. and and you know had some years where put up decent numbers, but he's considered a bust, and he's considered he's like the Jamarcus Russell in football. There was a quarterback, Jamarcus Russell from LSU, that went number one overall to the Oakland Raiders and was terrible. But Jamarcus Russell only played a couple of years. Kwame Brown played 12 and made $65 million, but is considered a laughing stock. Stephen A and all these guys have gone after him. And so uh he's kind of, he's been out of the league five, six, seven years mm-hmm. and kind of fallen off the radar, although people reference him a lot as a bust. And so Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes have a popular podcast called all the smoke and Steven Jackson and and Matt Barnes, Steven Jackson played on some championship teams, I believe with the San Antonio Spurs, or at least one championship team. Matt Barnes was a journeyman NBA player, but played 15 years. uh, and, and, you know, uh, had had a little bit of a reputation. Wasn't a great scorer, but was a tough guy, enforcer, defensive player. Uh, they have a popular podcast, All the Smoke. They, you know, purport and probably do. I know these guys uh, relatively well. They, they, you know, basically they get high, bring on NBA players, <laughs> and, and talk basketball and people's career. And so Gilbert Arenas one of the great players for the Washington Wizards years ago, is on their podcast last week. And Gilbert played a year or two with Kwame Brown. And Kwame came up, and and they cracked a few little harmless jokes, in my opinion, par for the course for what has been said about Kwame Brown for years. Uh, but Kwame wasn't having it for some reason this time. And it probably had to do with, maybe he was a fan of the show and liked to watch it. And uh, as you've seen, he put together several little videos responding to them. Mm. And then went on an hour and 15 minute rant that I have to say is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Uh, and I've he's transformed his image with his response and all that he's done over instagram and youtube uh and so before we just one little more facts details to enter in before we go just deep off into reacting to what he said uh, i when i worked at fox sports had stephen jackson and matt barnes on my television show and uh i had what I would consider a very good relationship with Steven Jackson, and uh, was somewhat invested in trying to help him out, trying to guide, mentor, advise him on how to uh, become a broadcaster and have a second career where he could make some money or whatever. Because a lot of these former athletes, they make a lot of money, Uh, but But they they also spend spend a lot of money and they need a second career. And because of some of the things Steven Jackson was involved in in his career, some of the criminal activity or whatever, and the suspensions and just reputation, he didn't make all the money and he didn't take advantage of all the talent that he had. Steven Jackson had NBA Hall of Fame superstar talent, but, you know, also is had a little wanted to be a gangbanger or have that reputation uh, and just didn't take care. He didn't max out his NBA career, although it was successful. He didn't max it out, make all the money he could. And, you know, these guys take on responsibilities, kids, ex-wives, blah, 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 family. And so uh, I was interested in helping Steven Jackson out, you know, welcomed him onto our show and, you know, gave me some advice. We went out to dinner and Fred Ming, I like Steven Jackson. I, I really do. I can say that authentically. I think his uh heart is in the right place. His actions a lot of times are not. Uh Matt Barnes is a guy that I had no problems with, had him on the show. We were, you know, not... Type like me and Steven Jackson, but we got along fine. Once they elevated and Matt Barnes talked Showtime into backing this podcast, and they went on their own. Matt Barnes has become a vocal critic of mine, and Matt, yeah, Matt Barnes is a is a Kobe groupie, and uh, it, it, it's funny. When Kobe was a player, I was a Kobe critic. The rape allegations, uh, the way he went at Karl Malone. This is some just old stuff. And just Kobe's mimicking of Jordan and his beef with Shaq. And the way he, again, the rape allegations, how he kind of threw Shaq under the bus. I was always a Shaq guy. During his playing career, I was a critic of Kobe post Kobe's playing career I had a more positive take on Kobe Bryant and Kobe and I had some dealings personally uh, after his playing career or or maybe not at at the end of his playing career talking about his vision for what he was going to do after his career and uh, so literally Curtis again, because I was known as a Kobe critic, I criticized Kobe on his last game when he scored 60 points. And I I went on an infamous rant, you know, I didn't like that he shot the ball, was gunning, blah, blah, blah. But literally three or four days before Kobe died in that helicopter, I went on TV and for two successive shows, talked about how much I respected Kobe post his playing career and felt like he was going to be an important figure post his playing career. And that I felt like he's handled his retirement flawlessly and what he was planning to do for kids and his involvement with his daughters and women's basketball and all this stuff. And I made literally, I don't know what compelled me to do this, and to bring up these topics, but two, three days before he dies in that helicopter, I'm on TV singing Kobe's praises post his playing career. And so when Kobe died, I'm still hosting that TV show, and I was emotionally hurt by his death. And I talked about that on the TV show because I thought this guy, and I just said it the week before, this guy's got great promise to be very important. But people use that show, which was an excellent show and was a powerful show the day Kobe died. Whitlock's a hypocrite. He always criticized Kobe, and now he's on TV acting like he cares about Kobe. Well, I'm just sorry. When when a grown man who's young dies in a helicopter crash while taking his daughter to a basketball game, I don't care what I said about Kobe during his playing career, this was a tragic event, and this was a sad event, and I was emotional about it because when I thought what Kobe was going to represent, but anyway, Matt Barnes attacked me for showing empathy for Kobe's death, and it's the kind of ignorant clout chasing shit that's almost embarrassing that he did this. I pretty much ignored it because I see... I see Matt Barnes as low on substance, and <laughs> uh, and and I see him. And I'm going to get us all the way back to Kwame Brown, just yeah. just to be honest. Uh, and so Kwame Brown's rant about Matt Barnes rings so true to me, and and I don't say this, and I'm not cheerleading Kwame Brown because I have some major problem with Matt Barnes or Steven Jackson or any of this. Cause, cause I just don't, these are young people, younger than me. How old are they? Aren't
0: they in their forties?
1: Probably Matt Barnes, probably 40, 41, but to me, they're young and they're just stupid. They say high all the time. I can't, you start arguing and bickering with idiots that are high drunk and trying to be tough guys or whatever. You make yourself look like an idiot. And so, what I'll give Kwame Brown credit for everything, and I wish the guy didn't say the N word as much as he did. That's my only critique of anything he said. But everything else is one thousand percent accurate. These guys, these tough guys, and these emotional guys—that it's all feminine energy, and that's what Kwame Brown was getting at. Becky with the good hair
0: and <laughs>
1: needing counseling, and he, and again, I wish he had. Well, I really can't complain about the way he said it, other than just the constant use of the N-word, because Matt Barnes does need counseling. And and I say that in all seriousness. He's got anger issues, he's got identity issues, and uh, Kwame Brown calling that out, I thought was terrific. And I think that, again, I like Steven Jackson. I think his heart is in a good place. But if I was to translate what Kwame Brown was saying is like, hey, man, your actions, a lot of t- they're idiotic and you can't be Black Lives Matter, George Floyd one minute and uh, I'm I'm high on a popular podcast and I'm a tough guy. And I'm a gangbanger. The next minute you, you, you can't do that.
0: How old is Steven Jackson?
1: Early forties, I'd say forty-two. I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna look it up while we're sitting here talking.
0: Well, the reason why I ask was, I saw, I see all the gray in his beard and stuff. Yeah. And um,
1: I think he's prematurely gray.
0: Well, you know, I just know he's not a kid, right?
1: No, and
0: I, I don't know anything. You my know age, to... he's not. Look,
1: I, he's I, 43 know. years old.
0: You know I'm not a big sports guy so I can't critique yeah. these guys on their play, their playing days or skills or anything. But something that Kwame Brown touched on was the fact that um these guys if they really wanted to do something and not just them, cuz I don't want to make it about just them specifically cuz they represent a segment yes of of our community who are in a position to do more than vent or denigrate other people who they don't like. And, um, and, and they, they should be in the community doing more. When you sign contracts, the numbers I'm hearing, 65 million, hundreds of millions, 30 million, like all that venting that all of these athletes and celebrities do on social media about Black Lives Matter, police brutality. They are actually in a position to start their own PACs and run their own candidates and impact the the quality of life in the areas they, they say they're from and for the people they say they care about. But they don't. They take the easy route. It's so easy to hashtag and tweet. So Kwame was 100% right. What I liked about Kwame and, and, and I, I didn't know much about him either other than, for, I hate to say it, that then he was called a bust because there was big articles on it about how Jordan and and the owner of the Wizards and they was in disagreement about him. And, and unfortunately, that's all I knew about him. But when I listened to that guy talk, man, he, he was speaking from a place of, like he'd said, he spoke with conviction, man. He wasn't doing it to get clout. He just he sounded like somebody who just got tired of the nonsense and finally had to, to lash out. And 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 as you said, what they said didn't seem like it warranted the responses that they're getting. But I think this is a buildup, and he's just sick of it, and he's gonna make examples of these jokers to stop it once and for all. And I think he wanted to get something off his chest about Michael Jordan. You know, Jordan personally didn't want Kwame Brown from what he said. He said Jordan wanted Elton Brand. And Jordan's the kind of guy, just from the documentary that I saw, I've never met him, I don't know him personally, that, yo man, it's his way or the highway. And I I think Jordan could have been a little bit more considerate with the pressures that he was putting on an 18-year-old kid straight out of high school. I I just, he could have damaged that dude for life, man. The way he went went at him, you know what I mean? Like he was a young guy. The flip side of that is when you take big boy money, you got to bring big boy game. So I think Kwame, I didn't hear him crying about anything. He's possibly reconciled all of that in his head. But what do you think about how Jordan treated this man when he got to the Wizards?
1: So I I definitely, and I'm gonna address that in 10 seconds. I just wanna make sure that I don't forget to. So remind me, I wanna get back at some point to the sturdy foundation that Kwame Brown was speaking from, because he did, he's trying to make a much bigger point than just Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes are clowns. But I, I do think the Jordan thing is fascinating. As a journalist, sports journalist, a renowned one, covered NBA finals, was a journalist uh, that covered it probably starting... Shit, I may have covered all of Jordan's NBA titles or been a columnist at that time. I, and and as a longtime Indiana Pacer fan, again, my history covering Jordan, long time. Uh, I did not realize what Kwame Brown exposed in his rant, his explanation of went on what went on with the Wizards when he's the number one draft pick it blew my mind and it made perfect sense. His explanation of that, hey man, uh, Michael Jordan, because again, Curtis, people blame and ridicule Michael Jordan for drafting Kwame Brown yeah, in 2001. And, and they put that on Jordan. And Kwame Brown yesterday or over the weekend whenever he recorded this, he put it in... No, 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 no. Michael Jordan did not want me. I was drafted to be traded for Elton Brand. This is his contention. And uh, I was like, wow, okay. And then he says, who takes someone at the number one overall pick and then the organization starts bashing That's That's a guy they really didn't want. And mm-hmm. so uh, I went... And, and just looked at some things and looked at the roster makeup and then asked a couple of people and the whole thing, his explanation makes perfect sense. Michael Jordan is playing for the wizards when he's 38, 39 years old. He he's, Michael Jordan is used to winning. He's not out there trying to play just to be playing. I'm in the NBA. Let me collect a check. This is fun. Michael Jordan wanted to win. When he came, no different than how Tom Brady just went to Tampa Bay in his early 40s. And like, he wants to win. He's not out here for shits and giggles and to collect a check. And so in Jordan's mind, if I can get the right pieces around me, I can still win it all with the Washington Wizards. And Kwame's sitting there right, like Michael Jordan's like, but I can't win with no 18-year-old kids straight out of high school. I need guys who are ready right now. And so I went and looked at this team that Jordan constructed in his last of two seasons with the Washington Wizards. Jerry Stackhouse is on the team, played at the Mm -hmm. University of North Carolina. Brendan Haywood's on the team. Played at the University of North Carolina. Uh, Charles Oakley is on the team. Michael Jordan's best friend and enforcer.
0: enforcer. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Charles Oakley's 39 years old on this Wizards team. Mm-hmm. Christian Laettner is on the team. 33 years old, played at Duke right there. North Carolina and Duke basically sit on top of each other. Th- there was somebody else that was... From the ACC. And you could just see, like, Jordan has built a team of veterans who he's comfortable with. And here the Wizards draft a kid straight out of high school at number one overall. And Jordan thinks, this dude can't help me win. I'm trying to win right now. I've only got a year or two left. And he's, and so with all of his henchmen, his because Jerry Stackhouse is an asshole just like Michael Jordan. Damn. Anybody knows Jerry Stackhouse. He got funny ways and particularly being empowered. And so they bullied because if you know anything about Jordan is a bully, he's 39 years old, 38, 30. He's bullying an 18, 19-year-old kid. There's a 20-year age disparity here, man. This kid grows up idolizing Michael Jordan, gets on his team, And Michael Jordan, Charles Oakley, Jerry Stackhouse, Brendan and Jordan's little group gang, of, they're emasculating this young boy. At the outset of his career, he he was killed in the womb by Michael Jordan. And I'm not trying to disrespect Michael Jordan. He's a great player, but he's an asshole. And not only did he have his little group of Players on the roster. Michael Jordan is in control of the sports media. People, the sports media worship Michael Jordan, and so when Michael Jordan, hey, he got small hands, he's this or that. The sports media picks up on it, and and I, I, Stephen A. Smith, Mike Wilbur, I'm not bad mouthing any of these guys. I love these guys. I'm not bad mouthing, but Michael Jordan, the whole sports media is wants to be in the good graces of Michael Jordan. And if Michael Jordan says Kwame Brown is terrible and you know, blah, 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 because he's in a feud with management about what to do with Kwame Brown. He killed this dude in the womb. This is one of the most selfish because one Jordan knows hell I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. These are my last year's playing. I don't give a fuck about Kwame Brown. I want to win right now. I need Elton Brown and He took it out on a kid when his real beef is with ownership and the front office of the Washington Wizards. He takes it out on a kid. Kwame, and again, Kwame Brown's got a hell of an argument. Like I played 12 years in the league. I can't be a bust playing 12 years in the league. And there were some years where he averaged 10, 11, 12 points, whatever. And then if you factor in the way he was baptized into the league, and, and you start thinking about when you hear the details like this dude was homeless. This dude grew up in a trap house. The, the, his brothers went to jail. It makes no sense other than cruelty, pettiness, being an asshole for Michael Jordan to have treated this kid the way that he did. He ruined that kid to prove a point. I was right. Y'all were wrong. Love Jordan as a player. He's an asshole.
0: Damn. Damn. I, it's it's tough, you know. And um, when I when I listened to, to Kwame talk about living in a trap house, about his mom laying on the ground face down for three hours, and he was nine years old in handcuffs, and they let him sit on the couch when the police raided his his home, and um, I got the feeling just listening to him that even though he made $65 million in the NBA, that basketball is definitely not the highlight of his life. That that was my takeaway. You know, he made some money, but he understands more than a lot of people, the odds that he beat to be just in a good space, I imagine now. He doesn't seem like the kind to blow his money and, and the thing that, that got me when he was talking about Steven Jackson, and I don't know any of these guys, I couldn't tell you what they did. Somebody told me Steven Jackson ran into the uh, the, the, the stands one time to fight with a... <laughs> a
1: Fans? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. The Ron yeah.
1: Artest melee, he was right up in it, yeah, yeah,
0: you know, uh, those are the type of things I know about him. So sports is not my big thing. But one thing I do know is that when you have successful athletes and entertainers who openly promote gang activity, they're doing a great disservice to the community and yelling about Black Lives Matter is not gonna nullify the damage done. You know, there was a rapper named um, Pop Smoke who was killed in, in Hollywood Hills by some gang members, they say the shooter was 15 years old. See, and I come come from a certain element. My New York, not this new New York, not this rap New York, but my New York, we didn't have street gangs per se. That was more like the 70s. That was some real backwards country shit, to be honest with you. Because if it ain't about money, what the fuck is it really about? See, street gangs really for like, teenagers and adolescents and young boys trying to prove their manhood. It's almost like a rite of passage in some urban areas. But when I see guys talking about they in a gang past 25, I'm really looking at them like they didn't know how to transition to maturity, to adulthood. They they're stuck. You know, we used to have a saying called uh, "super seniors," like people who get left back or they couldn't meet the mandatory requirement in the 12th grade to get a diploma, so they had to repeat the 12th grade over and over. We called them super seniors. All of these guys, these grown fools, throwing up gang signs and all this bullshit, yo man, they're super seniors, man. And 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 what's really fascinating is that some of them didn't even really get all into gangs until after they became famous with money, you know? And and I don't know if that applies to- does not apply to
1: Steven Jackson.
0: But a whole lot of these people, man, it's almost like they have to wait for adulthood to be the cool kids they never were. And they're all stuck in perpetual adolescence. They don't do grown shit. Tupac, to me, he kind of popularized this. I'm not going to say he started it, but he popularized it. No question about it. Because, and he would tell you, he said in an interview that he never got arrested until he got a record deal. So he went backwards. All the tattoos and the thug life and all that shit.
1: Hustling backwards, yep.
0: Yo, man, they get all this money and only when they feel safe enough that they can pay a lawyer and pay bail and 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 pay off uh, victims, and, and pay for protection, and, and pay for protection. <laughs> Are they ready to be a street nigger That's because that's the word they like to use, right? They street niggers Okay, on a budget coming from the NBA, coming from your record label, I don't respect none of y'all. Y'all wasn't like this most of y'all anyway until you got that money. And that's why I see through them. And then compounding matters. Something else that, that Kwame was touching on is that they, they kind of, they, they love, they go at each other. They, they go at each other. White people are safe. The Jimmy Ivings, the team owners, the agents, the financial advisors that run off with their money, they're fucking safe. Who they gonna go at is somebody who look like them. And I don't respect none of that because that ain't gangster. You see what I'm saying? And that's why when I say the things I say and people wonder like, yo, man, school be going in and he be saying this because I want these motherfuckers to know when you see me, you better act like you've seen the whitest white man. Because the way I feel about y'all, man, with the shit that y'all do and, and the hypocrisy Man, I will punish you in a way that you wouldn't believe, but which you had deserved a long time ago. Somebody should have spanked you, and you didn't have a father to do it.
1: And so I want to be, I'm trying to choose my words carefully because I don't want to betray uh, conversations I had previously with Steven Jackson that, you know, you know, are private and in between us. I do want to be crystal clear that. Don't think he's not his his gang affiliations are authentic and not from and they come from the dysfunction he grew up in and childish or not childish, but childhood dysfunction and vulnerability connected him to the gang world at a young age. Matt Barnes is the guy, and this is where uh, Kwame Brown. I'm just telling you, man. This this guy mentioned that somebody said he should be a preacher. Somebody close to him, or whatever. This dude has a a wisdom and an ability, a discernment that and, and, you know, at 39, you should be able to discern and blah blah. But this guy, if you take out the profanity and the cussing he's wise beyond his years and was his attack on them was coming from a foundation really, really strong of like, hey, and, and his discernment about Matt Barnes, because this is what I do believe. There's a perception like that all the smoke that Matt Barnes is the driving force of it. I don't believe it. I believe Steven Jackson is, but Steven Jackson lays back in the cut and Matt Barnes, your name is first and Matt Barnes just got some deal with uh, another deal with Showtime, some little scripted comedy and blah, blah, blah. What, what Steven Jackson has as a street smart to know that this mulatto, octeroom, quadroom, <laughs> and again, I don't know, again, I don't know Matt Barnes's heritage, but he knows that he's got the look to get us in the room that that hollywood crowd that tv executive crowd oh they love matt barnes and and again he's saying it as a joke but basically he is he's telling kwame brown was basically saying i'm calling you becky with the good hair because those executives that are throwing you opportunities you're not qualified for, it's because they think you're Becky with the good hair.
0: And, why, why, why would they think that? Where would they get that idea from? Though?
1: Well, because what they've seen is that human beings, Hollywood, Los Angeles is filled with people willing to do any and everything for a check for some celebrity, for a life preserver to protect the, because again, a lot of these guys after their playing career is over and it's like, Oh wow, Matt Barnes made $35 million. Well, how much did he spend? How much responsibility did he take on? And then it's like, well, damn, how do I continue to live this NBA life and this millionaire life Uh these next 30 years after my playing career is over. And and so what they're doing with the athletes is damn near the same thing they were doing with with rappers. The, the, the puppet masters, uh, the people really at the top, Jimmy Iovines and people like that, they can spot who's down for the play. They can spot Becky with the good hair. And who, oh, shit. Is willing, <laughs> who is willing to
0: play yeah, the game that needs to be
1: put? You think Harvey Weinstein, you think Jeff Epstein, you think any these people can't they don't have a profile? That's why all that's why they put all these desperate, ignorant motherfuckers on. Because what other options do they have? And that's what Kwame Brown was saying is like, y'all got this spot because you don't have any other options and when the guy says dance you're gonna dance and if the guy says hey man i i need you to come over to a little party we're having we all jumping in the hot tub uh you know there's a certain group that's and what kwame brown said i'm not that guy I've never been that guy. That's why I had problems in the NBA because I always stood up for myself. And again, because you go read up on Kwame Brown's history, there what he wasn't just – he wasn't an innocent victim. He was a participant in some of the issues he had in the NBA in ter- because he would stand up for himself. He wasn't just going to do any and everything. And uh, – I just, this dude is brilliant. He's He's got a country wisdom, and and he didn't talk about it, but he did when he said somebody said you should be a preacher. That to, He's got a biblical and a spiritual wisdom that no one knew about, and he put these guys in check in a unique way, because just like he said, they want some of the smoke they don't want smoke with Kwame Brown. Ain't nobody stepping up to the player. Oh, Matt Barnes is, oh, what did I say? You should be mad at Michael Jordan. They're not coming to this dude because he has revealed to them. And and again, I'm telling you, Steven Jackson is well-intentioned, but his actions don't align with his intentions. He's not able to see that the gang affiliation, yeah, but because the time you reach forty three, you should be able to see. it. You
0: know what this gang shit? This is satanic. Forty three thirty, man. Come on, and it's, and sooner if you get the kind of money they get, man. They, they got it out. They have the out. When they sign those checks for all those millions of dollars, they just don't know where to go with it after that.
1: Well, they uh, you get, Curtis. Great wealth is wasted on the young because trust I'm not going to denigrate, I'm blessed, man, that I didn't acquire any level of wealth until I could somewhat handle it. If you had rained all that money on me at 20, 21, 22 years old, I would have been a complete fool. I would have thought of myself as a God. I would have been lost in the narcissism and ego that these guys are lost in. Hopefully it would have been for a shorter period of time, but it certainly would have happened to me. Great wealth is for people in their fifties, man. And and they still struggle with it mightily, but- That's a heavy burden. Yes.
0: I'm not familiar with it, but I, I, I know. It, uh, it's, it's tough.
1: Yeah, and so Stephen Jackson—they got mamas, they got stepdaddies, they got they got baby mamas, they got kids, they got aunties and uncles and everybody. And you think this money's gonna last forever, and and so you and then you blow it. And what Kwame Brown was like, hey man, y'all throwing, y'all making it rain in strip clubs. Why not go to some neighborhoods? And make it rain there in a sustainable way, because again, I'm just saying this dude is brilliant, man. He's standing on a foundation because I don't. He put out a video today where he let it be known, like this dude's a farmer. He makes, he grows and cultivates his own food, and so he's like into doing sustainable shit. That like, when all this chaos breaks out in the world, and and there's a food shortage, and a got. Look, man, I'm good. I own all this land. I own these buildings, and I'm a farmer, and I can produce. This dude is standing on some real substance, and has a world view that needs more exposure. And so, it, I'm t- what he, it wasn't about what they said. It's about what they represent that has this dude pissed off. He he's looking at the world. He's looking at young kids that were like him. And he's saying none of this shit y'all doing is about helping them, helping kids from your community. Y'all want to run around and 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 uh, protect the reputation of a dead crackhead? And I'm just sorry because I I have damn. It's factual, and I'm just sorry. Are you talking about
0: George Floyd?
1: Hell yes, and I have sympathy for George Floyd. And again, this is where I give Steven Jackson a pass because I've been through it with my cousin killed by police. I know that pain and what it can do to your your head and mind and all that. And Steven Jackson, I don't think he's as close to George Floyd as I was to my cousin who I helped raise but there was some sort of connection and i get that he struggled with it. if you watch if i had watched my cousin die on tape lord i would be insane so he actually saw george floyd die and i i'm watching him try to deal with that and he's tried to i think he's trying to embrace islam and a religious but you know he's opening up things assalamu alaikum blah 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 blah, blah. Oh, for real Oh yeah, he's that's that's he's leaning into that, but but what Kwame Brown is saying, which there's some truth to, is like, hey man, you you, you can't your show is all the smoke, y'all stay high all the time. Matt Barnes tapes some little weak response to Kwame Brown, and he's smoking a blunt as he's doing it, and it's uh, just what, like.
0: Kwame was on the what's that the hookah? I don't hookah, I don't know. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I guess that's their thing, man, you know. <laughs> I, I, but They got to be smoking something. It used yeah. to be drinking, I was smoking. You yeah.
1: know? And so, but bottom line, what Kwame's saying is like, hey, man, this shit y'all representing is satanic. And he didn't use those words, but that's what he's saying. Yeah, y'all yeah. breathing death into young people. He, The dude broke down. Y'all not sitting here telling young people how you can make it. Y'all sitting here telling them how they can't make it, how the whole world is against them and oppressed. And he said, "My life is testament that that's not true." And he goes, "And their lives are too." This dude was on some brilliance. He had a much bigger point he was making than just you know these guys said some disrespectful shit.
0: First thing, uh, something you said about getting invited to these parties and you're in the hot tub and all that. This is a story that was told to me by a, a friend of some friends of Will Smith's original circle when he got to Hollywood. So, Will Smith got cast as the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And when he was moving from rap into um, acting, and the Fresh Prince of Bel Air is based on the life story of this guy named Benny Medina, who happens to be from New York. He's an openly gay Latino dude that went to Hollywood and was taken in by a a white family or whatever. Of course, they changed things around with the Fresh Prince. Uh, And um, he had a party for for the the show, you know, because they were going to launch the show or something like that. So, of course, Will was expected to be there or something to that effect. And Will with his crew from Philly, some street, you know, not not like gangsters or nothing, but you know, urban inner city black men, you know, with a, a certain edge to them. They pulled up at Benny Bedina's house or the house where the party was. And there was some like big muscle bound men like Chippendale dancers outside, like gladiators or like guards holding like, I don't know, some kind of spears or something. And, and you know the dudes, I guess they had on their little, the little bikinis or whatever, bikini bottoms or whatever they was wearing. The big muscle bound guys. So the other dudes was like, "Yo, is this where the party is?" And they asked Will. They was like, um, "Yo, you, you, we ain't going in there." Are we. And Will told them, "Look, man, I'm going in there. Y'all coming with me or not?" And he went in the party. You know, um, some of them didn't. And Will went on to big major stardom. Now, I mean, it was a it was a party thrown by the guy and all the VIPs, the usual suspects, the Quincy Jones and and everybody else were there.
1: Well, Quincy Jones already done told you what he was about.
0: You, you, hey, listen, he's the ringleader. At least he was the yeah. ringleader. Uh, It it seems to me that uh, Diddy's kind of moving into his spot right now, but Mm -hmm. that's another story. You know what I mean? But again, it's a weird world out there. And and Uh. I, and, and I, I, I think that guys who are from Los Angeles, who are from the streets of Los Angeles, who come up with those gangs, who get millions of dollars, even though that they're, they're kids when they get the money, if they're gonna make a choice, it should never be that world, you know? Because money comes with strings attached. And, 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 and Kwame said something like, a lot of these guys act like a woman and her husband is bad. Like they feel they could say anything and do anything because they daddy. And I'm not speaking on Steven and Matt. Admittedly, I don't know nothing about these people. I really don't even care about them. They're not relevant to me, to be honest with you. Don't watch this show, nothing. But I was sent the, the clip with Kwame. And the things that he was saying resonated with some general feelings that I have about entertainers and celebrity activists. And, and 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 that's why I'm speaking on it. And last but not least, as you mentioned, uh, George Floyd, I found it so interesting that he's the patron saint of these of these new celebrity activists, and they're being encouraged on by people like Joe Biden, who just said yesterday, or at least I saw the clip yesterday. I don't know when he said it, that. The death of George Floyd had a greater impact than the assassination of Martin Luther King. So they've created their own reality and their own relevance, and I don't connect with any of it at all.
1: Look, I'm gonna go biblical again, but there's a reason why the Bible preaches against idolatry. And, and basically, we have created a world where we've put these celebrities on a pedestal and again this is Mm -hmm. and 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 this is why i'm so like impressed with what kwame brown was getting at this bigger picture and and he said it in a way that reached a certain audience again, it's not the way I would have said it, but he was speaking to a different audience and trying to cut these dudes off at the knees. But, but, but when you live in a world of all this idolatry and basically everybody's a groupie for uh, certain athletes and they're on a pedestal and again, you can, if you say anything about Beyonce or Jay Z or LeBron James and you just say, hey, they're doing this or that wrong. And again, it's not attacking them personally. It's like attacking their actions and saying, this is, But, but we've created this idolatry world and where if you're not in support of these celebrities, you're somehow outside the culture. But this is how people get manipulated into doing things, that they normally wouldn't do because they look around and say, well, my idols are doing it. Well, uh, Quincy Jones is doing it and he talked Tupac into doing it and Suge Knight's doing it. And uh, as you potentially suggest, Will Smith did it. And so everybody did it. So you know what? I'm going to do it. And that is, this is why, again, at at my age, I'm I'm to the point where I really can't stand these celebrities because they're elites and they are working with the movement that wants to legalize any and all behavior. And I'm not some prude. And I'm just not, I don't want to be no hypocrite because again, the, the, you know, there's a lot of shit people can say about me and I don't put my fornication, uh, like it's better than other people's or blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I'm aware of what sin is and I'm not in denial of like, Hey man, this is some sinful ass behavior. And that, that, where they're trying to act like none of this is sin, everybody's doing it, and you're just free. And so to me, when I have, or had, or potentially will have sex outside of marriage in the future, I'm on no that You know what, this is some sinful wrong behavior, and I need to just quit doing this. They're trying to create a world where everything is okay, and there is no sin. And so, if you're having sex with a child, if you're having uh, sex, again, I'm just, I'm, I'm. Sorry. If people hate me for it, I'm just sorry. I gotta be hate. I gotta be hated for it. But two men having sex—that's some sinful ass behavior, man. And uh, two women having sex—that's some sinful ass behavior. I'm just sorry. It's no different than my sex outside marriage, but I'm just not going to be in denial of it. And so I'm just seeing a whole degeneracy. And this is what I think Kwame Brown is getting at is like, man, there ain't nothing y'all won't do for a check. And Kwame Brown played for the Lakers for three or four years. He knows he's privy. what
0: he's privy to he a kn- lot of things, yeah.
1: He knows exactly what goes on in Los Angeles, and exactly what you have to do, particularly when you're unqualified, what you have to do to get on.
0: Why why is Showtime making a show about the... Unqualified. Unqualified. Yeah, because the only thing I... I, You know, and again, I don't know anything about these people. I mean, if they they see it, please understand, man, that I I don't really know about you. I, I really don't give a fuck about you. But it's like, only thing i I heard about Matt Barnes was when he fought with Derek Fisher over um, his kid's mother and I'm not gonna lie kind of uh I kind of I, 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 I kind of supported that not because of the woman I just like the fact that his kid called him and said such and such such and such. I think he made a hell of an impression for his kid. Might not be the right one, but yeah. th- that side of me, I was like, Yeah, good, good work. But but again, I don't see anything in his life that's worthy of a TV show. Is it gonna I be average f-
1: eight points in the NBA, man? Yeah. He yeah. Average eight points a- is it, it gonna be fiction?
0: Like, why are you? And of course, you you and I, and a lot of other people know that there's certain people who get their documentaries on Netflix who get certain deals, certain variety shows, who get book deals. Nobody might even buy the damn book. Nobody may even tune in. Mm-hmm. So really, those, those business opportunities aren't based on the revenue you're going to generate. It's a compensation of some sort for something that you're expected to do or you've already done. Now, it, that, could, that could run the gamut from, something physical or something ideal, ideological. Like for instance, LeBron's uh, The Shop Show that com- consistently pushed a certain narrative, a, so- a certain agenda. These shows are set up for a reason. I'm not gonna go with the most vulgar thing, but it's no secret that in, in Hollywood, that's often, if not part of the, uh, the deal, the deal. It's, and it's just something about seducing people and bringing them into the fold and, and fre- fresh fish on the line, so to speak. Kwame <laughs> so Brown
1: called him and I thought it was beautiful. I had I, never heard this and I'm like, damn, this dude, gatekeepers of chaos. He called yeah. him that. And literally, and I'm telling you, I have an affinity for Steven Jackson, but go his NBA career checkered with arrests, suspensions, going up into the stands, fighting. He he was this real extra ghetto dude in the NBA. Not leaves the NBA. Uh, not with, with there's a bunch of NBA players that Put up similar uh, a Koran Butler, let's say. Put up similar. Enough, doesn't have the kind of shady record that Stephen Jackson has. Matt Barnes' record, tough guy fighter in the NBA. Uh, you know, had the issues with Derek Fisher again. There's, they got a whole. They done leaped over a 200 other guys, Jim Jackson or whomever that have really solid reputations but it's these two guys that we're going to throw our support behind. And that's why Kwame Brown's like, this is some gatekeepers of chaos. There's certain people that get these opportunities that instead of guys that might represent something better. It's like, who's down for the play? Who's down? And again, the guy is saying you could be promoting, you could be talking basketball, but you could also be promoting a positive message to kids because somebody has educated the guy figured out on his own. If you start, if your message is telling kids the world is against you and you can't make it, as opposed to telling kids, here's how you can make it, you're feeding kids poison. You're setting them up, you're leading them to slaughter and destruction. And the guy said that, and that I'm just, anytime your job is, or you get involved in a movement, and he was attacking Black Lives Matter very strongly. you involved with a movement that's destroying the mindsets of kids, and particularly Black kids.
0: That's some satanic shit, man. Do you think Steven Jackson's um, affiliation with George Floyd played a role in, in the opportunity? No, they got, got this edited? before that. Oh, okay.
1: They, they got this. That was started before the George Floyd thing. Uh, again, Matt Barnes is the driving force on the surface. I believe Steven Jackson's street smart. And he's like, this guy, I can put this light skin, Becky with the good hair out front.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I'm
1: going to play the back. I'm the muscle behind the scenes. I got the street <laughs> connections, blah, blah, blah. Matt's Boy, my front man, and this you, is...
0: You're giving it to Matt today, huh? <laughs> I'm just... Dude, I'm just...
1: Fact check me on any of it. I know. <laughs> I'm just... I, I'm really... I, I'm not trying to... They're young, man, but they need to do something better.
0: They ain't that young. They don't get that pass from me. But what I like about Kwame is that a couple things I get from him is he's content with who he is and where he is at this point in his life. And he may not have that, that lavish lifestyle that they have, but I think it's by choice. The fact that he's farming his land and all this, he's put himself in a position where he can tell certain people, "Now nah, I'm good. And, and, and the difference is, right? Everybody thinks it's money. Money's part of it, but you gotta have certain morals and values that you don't lust after what these people dangle in front of you. Like, I don't really do the religious thing as much as you do, but it's like, almost like Satan tempting Jesus on the Mount, telling him you could have all these things. And, and, and you can, but it comes with a price. Some people are willing to pay that price But the power that you have is the power to say no and be content with what you have, whatever that is. When you realize you've maximized your potential and you've acquired the most that your talents and abilities can get for you, and you say, you know what, I'm good with that, then you're you're not a mark anymore. It's when you want things and you desire things that you know you rightfully shouldn't have because you, you're in no position to earn it, see? When you don't wanna earn what you have, but you want it nonetheless, is when you become susceptible to these predators, these spiritual predators. And again, this is not just about these individuals. They're not that important to me, but it's a, it's a lesson for everybody. And, and also the thing that bothers me, right? Is when I see so-called black celebrities with all this security. Like everywhere they got these big beefy guys everywhere they go. And you know that security is just for some other Black celebrity (laughs) for when they get in the club and they get, it's, it's, it's the most bizarre thing, man. Like you're not that important. You're only gonna be on the scene for a couple of years But you you just, you got all this security everywhere you go. People worth 20, 50 times more than you don't travel with that kind of security. Uh, People who's been famous three, four times the period you've been famous don't travel with that kind of security. And the only reason a lot of these guys travel with that security is because they want to project a certain image that they're important. And deep down inside, we talk about racism a whole lot, man. But, and I'm not gonna say that racism doesn't exist, but I'm gonna tell you, it is far from the biggest problem facing the majority of us out here. We got so much going on in our mind that uh, that isn't getting addressed, that, until we until we get to that point we won't be able to move forward and a lot of it is self-induced man
1: no question about it i I, I want to say what because I want you wrote a hell of a column and i I wanna for Schoon TV and I want I want to talk about that and I just want to put one little button on my comments about kwame Brown and the Matt Barnes Stephen Jackson deal is that People, are like, oh man, look, you going in on Matt Barnes and blah blah blah. And and you just want some get back because he's been critical of you. Look, everything I've said today has been in my head for since the inception of all the smoke. And but if I had said it then, oh, you hating, oh you just you jealous or, you, you know, you just got a problem with Matt Barnes because he attacked you, blah, blah, blah. And and so I was waiting for a time where what I said could actually be heard and digested based on the facts. Kwame Brown created that opportunity. Created an opportunity for, for what I'm saying to be heard in context. I don't, I hope that these guys Transition and do better and represent something better. I actually think Stephen Jackson legitimately wants to do better. Matt Barnes, I completely agree with Kwame Brown. That dude needs some counseling. He's angry, identity issues. I, I, I it's nothing new. The thing, same, same things I was saying about Colin Kaepernick and the confusion of growing up mixed race or what. And maybe Matt Barnes isn't even mixed race, but he's certainly. Wants to be seen as a hardcore black dude. I'm I'm hard, I'll fight anybody. And Derek Fisher, I'll beat you, blah blah and, and, and just I, I'm just a, there's a certain age, and again, because I used to be that kind of an idiot. I I, I got in some really stupid fights and blah, blah blah. I used to be, but there's a certain age where you're just like, man, fighting is stupid. And and I got this. I can win far more battles. This is like John Thompson, the Georgetown coach, used to say. Uh, more money's made sitting down than standing up, and damn, <laughs> you got to really say that to athletes. Damn, okay. far more money made sitting down than standing up, and that's like if you can use this thing right here, wow, play the world. I,
0: I got to keep that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 but yeah, like like you said, my my article, which kind of dovetails into all of this. Um, you can read it on schoontv.com, the town hall. Um, it's called, Are You Not Entertained? And it, it, I, I felt a need to address the rise of, of the entertainer to a leadership position in the black community. And, and I, felt, I felt I had to outline how that happened, at least in my opinion. And I used a lot of historical data and and traced it back from even the times of slavery. And and the reason why I had to do that is because a lot of people who don't really know a lot about the, the Black experience other than what they see currently, it just all looks like it's just craziness and stupidness and all that. But there's a pattern, and there's a way that we arrived to this point. And I attempted to to outline that. What did you think about the attempt? I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. Yes, you asked me the questions now. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I read the piece and and I loved the historical background, like Richard Allen you referenced it. I was like, man, this dude I did some research because I'm very aware of Richard Allen and all that. And so the question I wanted to ask you is because it's left unanswered in the piece, is you said that black religious leaders had been our leaders and had been at the forefront of the black struggle uh, and now we were
0: celebrities yeah
1: yeah they were and well i wouldn't call them celebrities i call them legitimate spiritual leaders who represented the black struggle and so the question i had was we transitioned into entertainers and athletes and celebrities were we not better served when religious leaders richard douglas Richard Allen uh, Frederick Douglass people, Martin Luther King Malcolm people with some kind of spiritual background or foundation were we not better off with them as leaders and and the face of our struggle as opposed to athletes and rappers and
0: singers Uh, they were definitely better than um, rappers, athletes and singers but I think the comparison is kind of un, It's unfair because the rappers, athletes, and singers are outgrowth of that, in my opinion. See, what started off as religious and um, spiritual, I believe, and this is just my belief, that preaching was a safe occupation for black men. Black men could not demonstrate power in any other way back in the 70s. I mean, the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. So being a preacher, everybody was concentrated in that lane. If you wanted to be, if you wanted to distinguish yourself, you were the preacher, you was the head of the Black community, you know, you were the guy that you had some kind of thinking skills, communication skills, what have you. If white people wanted to communicate something to slaves, they're going to talk to the the smartest one or the free black men or whatever you want to call them. I think rhetoric has played such a big part in our cultural identity. And to this day, we value rhetoric in a way that, you know, that you could kind of talk your way to the top. So yeah, the preachers at the time, they they were good. But we had to get beyond that. And when we started getting beyond Why do we
1: why do we have to get beyond that?
0: Because they were just limited to speaking. I think the preachers were preachers not simply because they wanted to be preachers, but because they weren't going to be allowed to be anything else. Even like I pointed out in the in the article even when uh, Howard University was being set up, it was first set up to be a seminary. Spelman was set up to be a seminary. Why is that a negative? It's it's not a negative, it's a limitation. It takes more than religion to build a nation. Religion is good as a foundation, but you're gonna need scientists, you're gonna need politicians, you're gonna need a whole- What nation
1: were we trying to build? The nation was already built.
0: We try, but if you're trying to build a community up, in order to integrate the black community into mainstream America, we had to be brought up to speed. And I think you had to bring us up to speed required more than just a sermon from the Bible. In order to integrate us socially, economically, yo, we had to know more than just Bible verses. And I, I think this is a fact. That's, that's just how I see no, it. No, I know. I know. I mean, I know. You know man, that's why wait. I
1: wanted to have this discussion. Yeah, man, because you, you know, because there's infinite, we, I mean, the Bible, which I keep very close. Okay. And i
0: <laughs>
1: look, man, I'm a sinner. And and I make yes, sir.
0: Yes, sir. I'm not
1: I'm not some holy roller, but I, there's thousands of years of collective wisdom in this book. That to me covers everything. Every question can be answered in this book. And so I'm not sure if we needed more than Jesus. Well, and I think we've made a mistake in in thinking that, and, and that's how we got to this path of you know all these other people. And again, I'm not saying any of these preachers. We're perfect. They're men just like me, sinners just like me. I'm sure they fornicate and, you know, everything a man does, they do. But I'm just going to tell you how it works for me, school. Yes, sir.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's yes, like when sir. I start
1: my day with gospel music
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and just just start my day, my engine running on that, I make far better decisions the rest of the day. When I remind myself that I'm a Christian, I make far better decisions. When I remind myself that I'm black, it doesn't, particularly the way it's set up, the way it's set up now, again, because again, they've allowed black to be defined as a bunch of negative ignorance shit. And I shouldn't be cussing.
0: Black is a political ideology at this point. Yes. But, but let me say this though, Jason, a lot of people came to the new world to escape religious persecution, right? But and the- they came
1: for religious freedom, because, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, same thing, you know, they, yeah. they was escaping religious persecution in Europe or wherever, and they came here for religious freedom. And, and that's all well and good. I am a believer. I believe in a higher power, and all of these things, I try not to speak about my spirituality too much, but I I am a believer, right? Now, when it was time to establish the United States, they went to war. It was soldiers, it was military uh, genius, it was bloodshed. They didn't just go to church to establish the United States, okay? I didn't say, I'm not saying they didn't go to church, but they did more than go to church. They recruited people. Uh, no, no, there's, there's no question about no, that. Look, but... so, so building a nation, right? Building a community, building a neighborhood requires more than going to church is all I'm saying. And, and I think at the time, because slavery was still in effect with Richard Allen, who himself was a freed slave, I think the power structure was very comfortable with black men as preachers. So we were steered in that direction. I think if 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 we had oppo- other opportunities, those men may have chosen other occupations. So now my, the premise of my article is this, because of our fixation with, um, not fixation, our limitation with rhetoric and preaching and what have you, the spoken word, we've become very good and proficient at it. Black men are always, uh, you know, admired for their their speaking abilities. You know, and it, it goes. It started there, but it progressed into motivational speakers and politicians. A black politician, man, he'll give you a, a speech. And, and Martin Luther King over there, "I Have a Dream," down to the degeneracy we see today with the rappers and pimping. It's always with the word play, and I think the genesis of that began the the love the genesis of the love for the word started in the church because that's where we were concentrated and we've always associated men of prominence with being vocal rather than taking action you see and that that's where i make the distinction and that's not to say those men were bad i think they were i think they were good and they did the best that they could during the time period that they existed but Today, there's so many other ways to contribute to the community. And yes, I think we are all we should all see ourselves as Americans, because number one, this is where we live. Number number two, we have nowhere else to go.
1: There's nowhere talk- else we want to go, Colonel.
0: Look, look, I'm getting there. <laughs> they, they, they can talk all that pan African yeah. shit that they want and all that, but this is it, Jack. So you got to make the best of this. Stop acting like you hate it here so much. Uh, it, things ain't perfect, but you got to find a way to well, make it better for yourself. And by so doing, make it better for others. And the the, the problem, I'm going to let you have it in a yeah, minute, Jason. Ahead. Look, the problem that I find is that there's so much emphasis on race when the, when the real emphasis should be on power. You see, and, and a lot of times... What we call racism is, in fact, a, a lack of respect or discrimination against people who have no power. And and unfortunately, for a lot of reasons, that, that fault line is usually along racial lines in a lot of instances. But to me, right, when I think of racism, I think of the fact that South Africa is the Only country that had nuclear weapons to denuclearize. And they did so before handing power over to the black majority. You see, because these people will talk about their Bibles all the time. But what they really, really value, Jason, is the ability to inflict destruction. So when, when when South Africa had those nuclear weapons and right before Mandela was elected as they knew he would because it was all set up before he got released, they denuclearized the only country in the world to voluntarily, supposedly denuclearize. And, and why was it so important? Well, you have to think with those nuclear weapons, South Africa would have had a certain degree of power. That's what the world looks at. Black people, the ones who are disenfranchised, they need to be honest with themselves and say, what power do I have? And when you get the answer to that question, that might really be at the root of why you're being treated the way you say you're being treated. And what what you have to do instead of begging people who have power to give you some you better start working on getting some and it comes in different forms and different levels it's not always with a gun or what ultimately though the world is about how many nukes you got how many nukes i got when america had it was the only nation with nuclear power the rosenbergs ethel and julius made sure to give it to the soviets to In their mind, they didn't do it for Rolls Royces and a lavish lifestyle and a yacht in St. Bart's. They did it because their ideology, they were idealists, they felt like there needed to be a balance of power to avoid tyranny in the world. And I'm not saying I agree with them or disagree with them. I'm just saying that at the highest level, when you're talking about self determination, do not negate the importance of power, whether it be worldly power, spiritual power, whatever kind of power you believe in, you're going to have to tap into it to impose your will.
1: And so, I mean, there's a lot that you said there that I I agree with. I just don't think there's a higher power than a connection and a spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when I look at the history of America, what what made America ascend to such great power? And I believe it was the Judeo-Christian values that the country was founded upon. And then I believe black people, our journey here in America and our pursuit of freedom drove America to live up to its Judeo-Christian ideals. And so You know, I've seen actual Glenn Beck has a museum that he collects all these historical items. I've seen like rough drafts of Thomas Jefferson's Declaration of Independence. What was actually written in there and I believe 11 of the 13 colonies approved. But for it to be in the Declaration of Independence, all 13 colonies had to approve it. And so Thomas Jefferson's Christian ideas and stuff was laced throughout the Declaration of Independence. Two colonies and he went on a direct assault against slavery in the rough drafts of this. Two of the colonies, and I can't remember which ones, wouldn't, and so he had to tone it down. But What they did put in the Declaration of Independence and what they did put in the U.S. Constitution were some Christian values and Black people pursuing and making America live up to those made America ascend to a level of greatness and world power that's unprecedented, in my view, maybe Rome or back in the day, I, I don't um, know.
0: American power is unprecedented. Bro. Yeah. Let's Unpre- make no yeah. mistake about that. Okay.
1: <laughs> so to me, Judeo Christian values did that. And so as black people, I look at our history and when we were wrapped in Christian values and our leadership and we all of that was wrapped in Christian values, we were at our most powerful and promoted a level of change and improvement in America for just in the country overall and for us individual, individually. And now that we have perverted it and people like Al Sharpton come dressed as a minister and, and give off a few words sounded like a minister, but he's really a politician and Uh, a grifter or or a hustler Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so the whole thing's been perverted over the last, since Dr. King's assassination, Malcolm X's assassination. And I know Malcolm X wasn't a Christian or whatever, but had a real strong spiritual God-based foundation. But ever since then, we've been going the wrong direction. And what we have now, again, it's like we, we... we're not black people. We're not gonna have. We're not gonna get a hold of just as you described about South Africa. We're not gonna get a hold of nuclear weapons. <laughs> and so, what? What's our options? Yeah. To me, our option is returning to our spiritual base. There is no nothing more powerful than that. It's the only. It's our only chance at salvation. And and again, we're being used by the atheists, the satanic people, the people that want to legalize every form of immorality.
0: And deviancy, yes.
1: We're being used. They've promoted within us a degenerate culture. And uh, they have installed gatekeepers of chaos everywhere they can and set them up as idols. And we all sit around and worship them. And we all sit around and worship money. And again, that's what I look at. I'm going all the way back to Kwame Brown, but I look at the stuff this young dude said. I'm 39, he's not that young, but it was amazing. And I've been waiting for an athlete to say these things. And again, he, he cause I'm sure the guy, he made $65 million. I know he got money in the bank, but he was sitting there like, Hey man, Y'all think promoting jewelry and watches and all this material thing? Y'all he's content? This, yeah, y'all. He's the content. end all be all. But but again, he's he's actually he's not just content. He's trying to like, hey man, that shit y'all on is embarrassing. It's poisonous. There's for for the handful of y'all that got it. There's a thousand for every one of y'all that died or went to prison trying to get it. Quit promoting that clown stuff. Promote something of substance. Promote something more healthy and more sustainable uh, that actually can't. And again, when the dude was talking about, man, because I, I literally, after I watched that, I was like, yeah, just think if in the NFL, Tuesdays is everybody's off day. And instead of, of everybody going to their social media and putting out a hashtag. What if they went and visited an inner city high school every Tuesday and engaged with those kids? And just like he said, make the shoe companies. Because he was talking about, man, I was so poor and I didn't know how to get size 13 shoes. Yeah, blah, man. Blah, blah. He goes, yeah. what if they came to, and, and you can make Adidas and Nike give these kids the shoes they need, so they're not embarrassed, and blah, blah, blah. The, the, the power that we do have, we don't use, and we don't even ask. Oh, I, I, I agree. We don't even ask these guys to do it. We're not, these, you know, they can put out a hashtag, go to a march or a rally, and build up their social media following. They're not doing any of the work that needs to be done that creates sustainable change. They doing some shit that serves Nike, serves China, serves their social media feed, serves their own bottom line. And he called them out on all of it. And I I just, again, (laughs) I'm going to tell you this, Kurt. I'm going to say this and then I'll let you hand the mic back over. (laughs) But you're going to live to see the day. You're going to live long enough because we're not that far where you're going to be like, wow, man. (laughs) We have no path forward without Jesus. Anybody listening to this, that's where we're headed. Because we're getting what we deserve right now, as Black people and as America. This country's gone so secular. And there's such a disrespect and a lack of understanding or uh, just knowledge of what Judeo-Christian values did for this country. Black people, white people, Hispanic people, they all gonna learn this lesson, this abandonment of the values that made this country great and going off into this satanic shit is blowing up in our face and everybody's gonna realize
0: it. All right, c- a couple things I wanna say. Make no mistake about it, I love America. However, I'm not gonna lie about the trajectory that America has been on, I, I think having an honest discussion will help people understand better how to move forward. Um, slavery increased a lot of wealth in this country; um, it definitely did. Globally. Well, well, we're only speaking about America, but it did globally. No. You're correct. You know.
1: Look, slavery has been here since the beginning of time.
0: Well, we're talking about the transatlantic slave trade, yeah. right? It, mm-hmm. it increased a lot of wealth in America. Um, and yes, numerous people, as you, as you could see in my article, were against slavery, white people. I think one of the fascinating things in my article is that at every step of the way, whether in a good direction or a bad direction, there were white people involved with the black people going in that direction from the early white abolitionists and missionaries to the, to the civil rights activists, to the Yale skull and bones with the boule, whichever way there's always white companionship, guiding, directing, supporting in this country historically, right? Building the schools, the HBCUs, when a lot of these, these, uh, New activists get on their soapboxes and talk about white people. They paint them all with a a broad brush, not realizing that, like us, they're not monolithic either. There were even white abolitionists like John Brown, who took up arms against other white people to end slavery, lost his life, was executed as a result. And he was a Christian because those whites thought that Slavery was against Christ, anti-Christian. But you cannot dispute that there were whites who claimed to be Christians who participated in slavery, and and therein is, is the issue, right? When you say the Bible, that one book has has uh, produced so many different belief systems, as I was talking about the. African uh, Methodist uh, Episcopal Church, AME. Part of the reason why they broke off is because they didn't like the fact that they were segregated in the white Methodist church and had to sit up in the gallery and couldn't move around. So even within the people who were helping or sympathetic there was still some kind of separation. And yes, this was in the late 1700s and so on and so forth. You mentioned Thomas Jefferson, but you didn't mention Sally Hemming, the black slave girl, not woman, girl that he slept with and had children with. Now, again, this is, this is a different time in history. That doesn't mean his writings were any less profound but we cannot whitewash history. We cannot have revisionist history, whether it's about uh, making, instilling a, a false sense of accomplishment in black people or absolving white people of their sins. You know, let's just tell it like it is and let the truth fall where it may. Now, when you talk about America and its growth, when you think of the expansion West, what that meant you know, no. it's not like somebody snapped their fingers and the Native Americans just disappeared, man. Like, you, you, you understand what I'm saying? And all of that is part of the story of America. And I'm not someone who's stuck in the past that wants to put people on trial who are already gone for abuses committed against people who are no longer here. I'm not that guy. But I'm about being honest, man. In the world, power is about the ability to impose your will. And that's why there's a secular system and then there's a spiritual system. And when you deal with spirituality and a belief in God or Jesus, like you say, or whatever, it means you are not looking for your reward in this life. But the people who are looking for their reward in this life, they move a certain way and it has nothing to do with that Bible, Jason, nothing.
1: And so I want reward here and in the afterlife. And I do believe there are great rewards here for practicing Christian values, religious, spiritual values, great rewards. I'm not interested in whitewashing anyone's sins. I'm not interested in blackwashing anyone's <laughs> sins. I, I have no interest in that. But what, what I do know is the world is filled with sin, including my own. And so there, if we really wanted to look at the history of the world, whatever Thomas Jefferson's sins are, and there were many, I could someone can point to a Black person, a Black country.
0: They can point to me. They can point to yeah. you. Yes, Media absolutely. And, blah, blah,
1: blah. and again, hell, there's stuff going on in South Africa right now. They they stripping white people of land and all kinds <laughs> of stuff going on. Unfairness is a part of the world. Do we accept unfairness and just like, oh, well, that's just unblah, blah, blah, let it roll off our back? No, but, but I don't think that Thomas Jefferson – any of them guys had some special level of unfairness that everybody else Asians, Hispanics, white people, uh, black people who all of, all of that same sin, all of that same exploitation and and uh you know conquering uh new countries and overtaking the people that was already there. Black people done it, white people done it, blah blah blah. All, 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 I'm gonna let literally I'm and, and and I'm not saying this as pie in the sky, but somebody much smarter and more powerful than me is gonna have to do the judging on everybody's sin, including my own. I agree. I and, agree. And so, trust me, I don't know the name, but uh, I'm trying to who I'm trying to think of some Ugandan president or whatever. But I well, guarantee, Idi Amin, Idi Amin, <laughs> he might have had him a white mistress that that he in pregnant who the hell knows. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not, again, I'm not interested in whitewashing. Nobody's saying, I just don't think I'm the proper judge of people saying I'm going to try to look at the good stuff that people did that led to a place where I'm just sorry. America is the envy of the world. Black people, white people, Hispanic people, beat down doors to get in here. And so what, and we've been based off that Declaration of Independence and US Constitution that they wrote, and everybody around the world, regardless of color, is attracted to it and will do damn near anything to get in this country. We're not trying, any of these, we're not beating down doors to get in any of these other countries. And so that's the reality that I'm trying to deal with and recognize is, of course, these guys were sinful. I'm sinful. I don't know what I would have done that's if I black and, Look, man, black and free back, black and free back. Yeah, Con- I don't know what I would have done. Would I impregnated Sally Hemming and whoever the hell else I could that I had, you know, I, I don't know. And so, but all I can do is look at whatever, some of this stuff they did made us the destination and the most powerful country in the world and a place where me, I can live in freedom. People made sacrifices so that I could uh, go from me and my father living in a 400 square foot apartment to me being able to take care of a lot of people in my family and myself, I just, it's if, if people, I think it's a waste of time to be sitting back and looking 150 years back and like, oh man, this dude did this or that, and so therefore America is this and that. That's crazy. Listen,
0: listen Jason, when it comes to, I, I look, when it comes to the past, first of all, I, I'm like of the same mind frame with Napoleon Bonaparte. History is a, a, a set of lies agreed upon, right? We we don't really know what's what. That's why I, I I I'm familiar with certain things, but it's not that important to me. I try to glean certain information. But back to the the power and, and and the rewards in this world. See, to me, I think when you are when you live a righteous life, your reward really is in this world of sin. You're shielded and protected from certain things other people are not. Our reward, Jason, is that we do not have to succumb to all the wickedness that you could see all around you, that we are somehow protected from that. I'll share something with you. Every morning I wake up, I pray. And I pray for guidance, protection, and forgiveness. I don't ask for wealth. I don't, none of these things. I ask for guidance in all my moves and my decision. I ask for protection because I understand even though I consider myself a tough guy that I ain't tough enough to protect myself from everything and everyone that's out there ready to harm me. And I ask for forgiveness for the things that I do wrong. Still, I acknowledge that, you know, but again, The rewards that you get when you're spiritual are very different in appearance from the rewards that you get when you're secular. So yes, you will have your reward in this life and the other, but your reward isn't going to look like the rewards that a diddy gets. You understand what I'm saying? His rewards are very, very finite, superficial and, and all of these things. And and really, when you have a spiritual mindset, those things aren't really attractive anyway. Back to Kwame Brown, which is why they said they thought he was going to be a preacher. He's content in the best best usage of the word with being who he is in his Denali truck on his farm, growing his his food and, and helping out the community that he's in. And and a lot of us, we should be more content with our range of capabilities. Once you've maximized your range, that's it. Don't worry about everything else. Let, let that take care of itself. And he seems like he's in that place. And that's what I call a place of peace. And, and we should all be that lucky.
1: And, and Curtis, this is the best podcast we've ever done. Oh, yeah.
0: man. More pressure no, 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 no. typically. Seriously,
1: <laughs> seriously it, it really is. Yeah. There's a couple other things we're supposed to talk about, mm. but we need to end here, wrap this up here. Not just for time reasons, we can't do any better than what we've done today. And we don't want to dirty it up by trying to do too much. Mm. I, I want to say this, though. For me personally, and I I don't even know if this is a proper point for me to make, but Mm -hmm. I've arrived at that point of contentment and serenity, and I'm not going to go all off into it, but there are some things that have gone on with me over the past year, business wise, where I may not get what I was supposed to get. But I stood on some principles that I believe in. And and I'm going to continue to stand on those principles because people have made the mistake and think that I'm moved by money. I've never been moved by money. Money has come to me as a result of the principles that I stand on and the way I have done my job in a principled way that protects my integrity and maintains trust with my audience. And I'm always going to stand on that. And there's always been moves I've made, like, why do you do that? Because in this very secular, corrupt world, there's only so far I'm going to go. And my word is always going to be my word, period. It You will always going to be able to and look I'm in position to live that way I don't have a wife and kids it's much harder you make more compromised decisions mm-hmm. when you have more miles to feed yep. and, you know the responsibility and so um I, I'm just a, I'm all circling all the way back just like you man I got so much respect for this Kwame Brown I don't know if this dude he, he, he may hate my guts and maybe I, when I was on TV or I wrote something about him I, I don't know but this young dude is a voice we need and an, a former athlete and I know he didn't have the greatest career but man th- this he said he knows how to play the game of life and I believe him
0: and, and, and last but not least for the brothers out there never forget man men make money money don't make men Get your priorities straight. All right, Jason, we good?
1: Awesome.
0: All right, bro. See you next I'm gonna week. have
1: to watch this one myself. <laughs> and I just did it. I'm gonna watch this one myself.
0: Yes, sir. I don't yes, know sir. if we at
1: Kwame Brown's level, but we, we close.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, bro. Have a good one. All right. Share, subscribe, and like our YouTube channel to get alerts for new episodes.